Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Friday, January the 14th, 2022. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here to discuss a really solid nine-game NBA main slate. And luckily, Yahoo didn't do any of their crazy shenanigans that they do on Friday and try to start the slate later. We've got DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo all with the same nine-game main slate that starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. So we are going to go through, as we normally do, uh, game by game through this entire uh, NBA slate, and it is an interesting one. Uh, Twelve of the 18 teams are either on the front end or the back end of a back-to-back. So that certainly stirs the pot. And then, of course, with all of the injuries and mainly the COVID protocols, uh, it is really uh, challenging, but we love it. This is what we thrive for here at DFS Coach Talk. We love the fact that uh, we can really break this down, take a look at every aspect of it, uh, build it up, and hand build a couple of lineups that we feel we can get in there and take down all kinds of stuff. So we'd love to have you join us. Go to dfscoachtalk.com. You can jump on there. Become a member for even as little as three days for 10 bucks. We also have some great merch on there. Our DFS Coach Talk hoodies are looking good here for now that it's getting a little chillier here in the winter. So you can check out those things as well. Um, but mainly, you know, our four sports special we posted just the day before yesterday. Uh, you get everything we've got here, full access all the way through the end of the NBA playoffs on June 19th. So come join us. We would love to have you. All right, let's get down to business. No messing around. You know, as we get this going, we we hammer through all the games. So we go to game number one. It's, th- it's 7 o'clock, of course. There are four, four 7 o'clock games. So that's what stopped Yahoo from their shenanigans. So good stuff here. Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, Philly minus three and a half, 210 and a half total, 103 and a half implied for Boston, 107 for the Philadelphia 76ers. Coming into the game, uh, we've got Boston at 21 and 21, Philadelphia 23 and 17. So solid matchup here. Uh, the only designation for Boston is Marcus Smart, questionable, but we do need that info. That would will really help. Um, and then three guys out for Philly, Danny Green, Shake Milton, Ben Simmons. So pretty straightforward game here. Uh, we've got uh, Boston and Philly are both on the first night of a back-to-back. So that will affect possibly some of these rotations, something to definitely be aware of. Um, I think both teams really want this rivalry game, so I don't think it's going to affect a lot. Uh, And obviously nobody sitting out on the first side uh, of this. Now, tomorrow we'll have to look closer at both of these teams uh, because that could be the area where they sit somebody. So uh, coming in pace-wise, it's not a conducive game. 23 Boston, 26 Philly. So slow game. That's why you only got 210.5 total. Plus, you have uh, two good defenses. Boston's fifth. They've really uh, played better D 
uh, in the last couple of weeks, especially Philadelphia is crawling back up there. They were down in the lower teens there. They've now slipped into the first half uh, of the league in defense at 14th. So, you know, the question is, where are we paying up today? We'll start right off talking about Joel Embiid. He's 11-2, and he has been smashing lately, no question about it. But uh, it's a big number for a slow game with a team that's been playing good defense. So I I am not going to put my chips on the table here yet in game one. I will take a look at some other possibilities here, though, from Philly. <clears throat> Max, he's only 5'6". Uh, and that's a reasonable price for him. Tobias Harris, that mid-range at 7.5, he fits well too. A little volatile with uh, Harris, though. There's been rumors of a trade. He also, uh, the, the fans were booing him a bit, and he made a bucket and sort of chirped at the fans a little, which in Philly is a death sentence. That's not a good idea. So a little concerned about that stuff, but if he uses it the other way and it motivates him, uh, at 7-5, he certainly could go off here. So in consideration for me at, at a really fair price. On the Boston side, again, it'd be nice to know if Smart is playing or sitting. Uh, Schroeder becomes a, a good play if Smart's out because he's only 5-4. Um, if Smart's in, not sure I want to go there at 5-7 just because of his designation the last couple of games and missing the last game. Certainly the two superstar studs here, they both went over 30 real points the last game. Jalen Brown at 9K and Jason Tatum at 9-3. Always in play, but the dilemma of which one do you take? Um, I have a tendency to lean more towards Tatum, uh, but Brown's been hot lately too, so you can go either direction there. Uh, the bigs, you know, Williams is up to 7K now. That's a little rich for my blood. Uh, with all these center options. Horford has been inconsistent, but he's 5-2, so it's enough to take a look at. All right, let's go to game two in this wonderful schedule tonight. It is the Phoenix Suns and Indiana Pacers. Phoenix by five and a half. It's a 220 total. You have a 112.75 implied for Phoenix and 107.25 for the Indiana Pacers. Phoenix comes in an impressive 31 and 9, Pacers 15 and 27. Definitely the wheels have fell off. They're definitely looking to make trades. So you got to be, you know, a little careful here uh, when you mess with Indiana players because you just don't know what, you know, what Carlisle's going to do there with their rotations, if they're showcasing somebody for trade, etc. But we'll see. And then uh, one thing, though, both of these teams are on an island game. There's only two games where neither team is on a back-to-back, -back, and this is one of them. So that definitely helps, especially with some of the veteran players. Um, as far as injuries go here, we have Wainwright possible for Phoenix, probable. I mean, uh, Cam Johnson, which is a big one, he's questionable, so we don't know if He's going to be in that rotation, which would solidify more minutes for guys like Crowder and Bridges. Guys that are out, Kaminsky, Nader, and Saric. For Indiana, again, for the millionth time, Brogdon questionable. He never seems to really play, though, but he's questionable again, and it has a huge effect uh, on that entire team, so we need to keep a close eye on that. Uh, Torrey Craig is also questionable. 
He can grab some rotational minutes, so keep an eye there. And then McConnell and Warren, the TJs, have been out forever and remain out. Um, we've got Phoenix, the sixth best pace, and Indiana, 21. Defensively solid for Phoenix at second in the league, uh, only to, to Golden State. And Indiana, 21st. I mean, Indiana isn't really doing anything well, so they're definitely have a shakeup coming. Um, Pricing-wise for, for Phoenix, you know, Paul's 7-9. Uh, it's not a back-to-back, -back, so, you know, you can consider him. Same with Devin Booker at 8-8. Eight, eight, a little expensive, but uh, certainly has upside. Uh, I like the low prices on Bridges at 5-6 and Crowder at 4-9. They have a tendency both at times to be a good last guy in kind of thing that can make the salary work and still give you 6-7x. DeAndre Ayton's up to 7-6, which is a little pricey. His minutes have been sporadic at times. Uh, JaVel McGee's back to back him up and Jalen Smith. Uh, is also back. So a little concern there. Uh, really off the bench, just Cam Johnson, if he plays. If he doesn't, you know, I think Cam Payne may pick up a few of those minutes just as they shuffle the uh, deck around in their rotation, and he's only 4-4. Indiana, again, if, if Brogdon plays at 7-4, I'm not going to touch him anyway because he's been out. Who knows what minutes restriction, et cetera, but it does affect the other guys on the team. Uh, Duarte probably goes to the bench at four or five, uh, would jump back in the, the starting lineup, I think, if Brogdon sits. Levert's all the way up to eight three now because his price has gone up since Brogdon's been out. It's a little too rich for me. Um, Sabonis at 10-1. He's playing great ball for sure, but not going to roll him out there against this tough Phoenix defense. Turner at 5-8 is tempting at that lower price, but he's thrown some poor games in there as well. So not a huge fan of this game at all. 220 is a fair total. It should be a pretty well-played game um, and fairly close enough, I think, that uh, you know you could get some plays here. But just you can be pretty picky today with 18 teams playing. So I am going to move on to the next one. All right, the third game is the Toronto Raptors and the Detroit Pistons. Toronto's favored by eight, 214.5 total, 111.25 for Toronto, 103.25 for the Detroit Pistons. Coming into this game, Toronto's 20 and 18, Detroit 9 and 31. We do have some tough uh, calls here for Toronto as far as questionable. The two guys in their rotation are starting, uh, I should say, is Trent and Barnes, both questionable. So number one, we have to see if they're playing. Two, we need to see if they have any restrictions, and that affects the whole Toronto side. Dragic is the only guy already ruled out. Fred Van Vliet has been on fire, and this is a great spot for him, so we got to keep an eye on him, especially if he has to pick up more offensive load with Trent and Barnes being down or maybe not being down. That's why we need that news. Detroit Magruder is, is uh, questionable. The guys that are out are Jeremy Grant. who's probably going to get traded. Uh, Frank Jackson, Isaiah Livers, Kelly Olenek. So as we look at this game, like I said, I think Fred Van Vliet at 
10K is a monster pill to swallow. I think that 10K number is going to scare people, and it should. On this kind of slate, it's a huge payup. But, man, what a smash spot he is in here. If Detroit at home can keep this game under 10 for the majority, and if we you know, we see what happens with Trent and Barnes, if even one of them sits, you know, a lot of that falls on Van Vliet. Detroit's defense is not good. Um, you know, pace-wise, Toronto 22nd, Detroit 7th. So it's a great pace-up game for Toronto. That's another reason to like Van Vliet. And then defense 19th for Toronto, 22nd for Detroit. So there's going to be points scored here. 214 and a half is a pretty low number. The one thing to watch is it, it is a first night of a back-to-back -back for Toronto. So, you know, I think if the game starts to get double digits lead, they're going to rest guys for tomorrow, no doubt about it. So that definitely gives me some pause and might be, you know, the decision maker in not biting the bullet to, to roster a guy like Van Vliet at 10K. But I'm telling you, he can drop a 60-burger on this uh, Detroit team. But it's, you know, that's if the game stays close. So there are a lot of things have to fall in line. Um, Trent and Barnes, maybe, the, you know, one of them sits or plays today and then one sits or plays tomorrow. We got to see that news. Uh, Ananobi starting to get back in the flow. Uh, six, five is fair for him. He was smashing that number consistently before he was out. Uh, he doesn't seem to be a hundred percent back to normal but he's getting closer and closer. You know, a, a date with the Pistons here might be exactly what he needs to go back to that smash status. So he is in contention for me. Siakam at 9-5, you can certainly discuss. They've been playing him a lot at center uh, with Boucher, Birch, Achua, all those uh, center. But uh, they've been rotating guys, either playing Siakam at the five, Birch got a start, Achua got a start. So, we just need to see confirmation. Again, the fact that it's a seven o'clock, we'll get to know who's in and out and, uh, you know, what rotation it's looking like as far as who's the starters. And that's going to have a lot to do, I think, with this game. From the Detroit side, you know, there's some good options here. Uh, the the three-man duo of Cunningham at 7.6, Diallo at 6.9, and Bay at 7.1. They're all priced sort of where they need to be. Uh, none of them are bargains like they were before. I mean, they were a great bargain place to jam in there uh, in the last couple weeks. But in, in this last three or four days, especially, their prices have all risen. Uh, they're leveling off some, but, you know, there's you got to make a commitment here. If you're going to go on the Toronto side and want to uh, run it back with the Detroit guy, I wouldn't play more than one of them, to be honest with you. Toronto's defense, even though it's 19th, they only play at the 22nd pace, so it's a bit slower. Uh, Cunningham, uh, Diallo or Bay, uh, one of those guys could easily make it into my lineup. It depends on who's playing for Toronto though, because Barnes, I think is a fine defender. And if he's in, he's going to check Bay. That would take him out of the mix for me. Uh, Ananobi, their best defender. <clears throat> the question is, is he going to guard Cunningham or Diallo? I think he goes Diallo. So, uh, Cunningham's the favorite in the in the house right now, but uh, clubhouse, but let's see, you know, we, we need to see what that news is before that decision, but I want some exposure here. I think it's a little bit better game than the, the Vegas numbers show.
All right, the last 7 o'clock game. It's the Orlando Magic and the Charlotte Hornets, a couple of teams we've been targeting of late. Toronto is, I'm sorry, Orlando is on the first night of a back-to-back. It's an island game for the Charlotte Hornets. So that, you know, definitely is something to take note of. We've got uh, Charlotte favored by 11. So that's the other issue. Orlando's gotten their doors blown in recently. So that's an important thing because if this game stays close, you've got a nice healthy 224 and a half total. 106.75 for Orlando, 117.75 for the Charlotte Hornets. Orlando comes in at 7 and uh, 35. Ouch. And Charlotte comes in 23 and 19. Uh, a lot of issues here for Orlando. Mo, Mo Bamba questionable. I heard he's on the trading block. A couple teams interested in picking up his services. So uh, I doubt he's going to play big minutes uh, coming up in these next couple of games. Uh, the trade deadline, by the way, isn't until February 10th. So we've still got some time, but I think you're going to see some of these guys starting to get moved. Uh, you know, and it could come as, as soon as this weekend and then uh, leading all the way up to February 10th. Uh, the, the tough part for Orlando is uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is also out. Uh, so, uh, MCW, Fultz, Isaac, and Moore are the other guys out for Orlando. Uh, the, the good thing for Charlotte, they're really only missing one key guy. Kelly Oubre is out, and also Kai Jones is out. So they're uh, pretty healthy compared to where they've been for the majority of the season. Um, coming into this game, here's a couple of interesting notes. You've got Orlando, the 13th fastest team, and Charlotte, third. So these teams will push the basketball, no doubt about it. And they're two very poor defensive teams, 24th and 25th, respectively. So I think, you know, you've got the only concern you have here is if Charlotte gets a big lead, because uh, that could deter some of the rotations here, but there's some good parts of that. Charlotte's on the Island game. So they're going to get an extra run probably for their guys that won't pull them as quickly. Even if they get up 10, 15, Orlando is somewhat, uh, not totally, but somewhat uh, blowout proof because they have such young players. And that's the key factor is, you know, are the, the how much are these guys going to play? And, uh, you know, how is that going to affect, affect uh, this rotation if the game does get a little out of hand? Uh, we do get the return of Jalen Suggs, and I'm sure he'll be on some type of minutes restriction. So I'm not going to go there at all. Wouldn't recommend it at 4-8. I think you've got three great targets here. Actually, four, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Cole Anthony, of course, I play him all the time, 7-8. He got out to a really slow start. He had eight fantasy points at halftime and somehow ended up in the 40s again. I mean, that dude can play ball. Um, so he's in he's in the, the mix for me. Franz Wagner is down to 5'9". And, you know, he's a big dude. He's like 6'10". So he's, he's going to have to grab some of these rebounds that uh, Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. Jr. usually grab. So Wagner's uh, highly in play for me. And then a guy that's really been consistent. I don't know why he's sub 5K still, but uh, as a starter, Tumo Kiki has been terrific. He's only 4'9", 
And I think he really uh, deserves to, to get a look there. Um, if Bamba does sit, it's probably Robin Lopez starting at 4-4. I don't think you have to go that deep uh, in this kind of a, a solid slate. Um, but we need to know if Bamba's out. If Bamba's out, I could have a combination of two guys here. Maybe Wagner and Okiki or Anthony, <clears throat> two of those three, I think are a really good spot here. Uh, Charlotte gives up a lot of points, and uh, this game should be a fast pace. Uh, looking back on the other side, who do you follow up with on their side of the ball uh, against some of these Orlando plays? Well, you've, of course, you've got LaMelo Ball, who's 8-9, which is a fair price for him. Um, my only concern is, you know, you look at his last 10 games, he's played fine, but he's had some weird minutes games. Uh, I know he gets in foul trouble. Uh, that's one thing is he's got to reduce as a guard, too much reaching and gambling. But, uh, you know, I don't know at 8-9 if he's going to get enough full run. I want to see him play in 38 minutes, and I'll feel good about spending that money because I think he can smash the slate. But, you know, when he's down there in that 30-minute range, uh, that's just a massive, massive difference. So in consideration, but not a slam dunk by any means. Rogier's up to 7-4, uh, bit inconsistent. He can smash slates, and he can, you know, go 3x. So a little more risk there, more of a GPP shot that could be tough. Uh, Gordon Hayward shot out of his mind the last game. He hit everything that he threw up and then some. Um, not a bad play, but Franz Wagner is a pretty darn good defender. I think that's, he, he may guard him or Okiki. And I don't know, Hayward at 6-9 is very tempting. But if you're chasing points from that last game, I think it's a bit of a reach. Uh, Miles Bridges has slowed down a little bit. He had some, you know, monster games earlier in the season. He's been consistent. He's been solid. But at 8K, I don't know if he's, you know, you can count him dropping 56 to 60 like you'd really want to see. So not as not as high on some of those guys. Wouldn't mind having two Orlando, one Charlotte, though. I think this is a really good targetable game. All right. Let's move on to the Golden State Chicago game. What an interesting game this is. This is the feature game. On TV, people are talking about this game. Lots to unpack here, though. You've got Golden State on the second night of a back-to-back -back after getting absolutely smoked last night. And then Chicago on the first night of a back-to-back. -back. So you've got some, some things to consider. There's some guys on these teams that are veterans, and you've got uh, two excellent coaches that aren't going to overplay their guys. So... Uh, Chicago's favored by four. It's a 223 total, 109 and a half for the Warriors, 113 and a half for the Chicago Bulls. Um, Golden State comes in 30 and 11, the Bulls 27 and 12. For Golden State, we know four guys are out, and they're important Green, Peyton, Thompson, and Wiseman. So definitely shorthanded. Uh, with Clay sitting again and Peyton getting hurt in that last game. For Chicago, you, we already know who's out there as well. Caruso, Cook, Green, Jones, and Williams. So, yes, Caruso's been uh, an important piece off the bench for them, but 
definitely a big advantage as far as who's in and out uh, for the Bulls uh, against the Warriors. Somewhat of a, a nightmare road trip, it looks like, for Golden State. They really need to come out and play well in this game. So what is what are we looking at from the statistical standpoint? We've got decent pace, 15th for Golden State, 10th for Chicago, but you've got the number one defense in the entire league uh, in Golden State. Chicago is improving middle of the pack uh, and up from them. So you've got decent defense. Um, you've got back-to-back -back situations. You've got average pace, a little bit above average, and a lot of high-priced guys here. Only high-priced guy really on the Golden State side is Steph Curry at 10-6. And he has really been struggling lately um, for, for Curry standards for sure. 10-6 um, is a lot to spend against a Chicago team, uh, you know, that really is geared up for this game and has full strength with their main guys. So little concern. Uh, yes, Curry, again, I say it every time because you have to because he's Steph Curry. He can drop 12 threes in a game and blow up the slate. But at 10-6 against this tough D after getting shellac last night, I'm probably not going to use that as my spend up. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not. Uh, who's going to pick up the slack with the other guys? I think the the smartest play would be Andrew Wiggins. He's only 6'2". Uh, he was grooving pretty good there until Clay came back and then really uh, just crushed his usage. But with Clay sitting in this game and then, you know, no uh, – Peyton, et cetera. I think uh, Wiggins really is in play at 6-2. Um, Jordan Poole at 5K, he's super cheap. But, man, he's been really chucking and ducking and not uh, playing great uh, of late. But at 5K, if they're going to stay in this game, uh, he's going to have to really be a help for Curry and Wiggins. Uh, the bigs just – I don't even want to talk about them. JTA, that's all I'm, I'm not going to say his full name after he put up that minus six two games ago. Uh, Kevon Gadala, Porter Jr., Bielitsa, Lee, Kaminga, Chioza was hustling in there the other day. I just want 0.0, .0 of those guys. I think it really comes down to if you want to pay up for Curry, I'm not going to go there. And then looking at Wiggins and Poole as possibilities. On the bull side, you know, we're back in that dilemma. Again, you know, it's repetitive for those that watch the show every day, but it's hard when you have Levine at 8-4, DeRozan at 8-6, Vuk at 8-7, and now you've got Ball up to 6-6. Six, six. So, I mean, you could spend all your salary just on the bulls. Um, who are the best matchups here? That's the question. I would say right now, for me, it, it, I like Zach Levine the best. I think they're going to have trouble matching up with him. I think Wiggins is going to guard DeRozan, which I respect that matchup. And then, you know, you've got the, as much as they're not great DFS players, the combination of the bigs, especially Kevon Looney, uh, who, by the way, got in foul trouble yesterday. So he, he didn't play a ton of minutes. His defense is tough with his partners like Iguodal and Porter. And so Vuk, I think, that's going to sting him a little. So for me, it's more of uh, Zach Levine as the, the uh, bull of choice for this particular matchup. And 8-4 is a price you can swallow, especially 
if you're not going full stars and scrubs. All right, five down, four to go. Real quickly, if you're watching this on YouTube, quick thumbs up, hit the subscribe button, give us a quick comment. The combination of those three things really help us move up the algorithm on YouTube. And we bring these podcasts to you in front of the uh, paywall seven days a week for the NBA. So we really appreciate you hitting the thumbs up, subscribe, and give us a little comment. Whatever it is, a couple of words, it works. Um, while you're at it, if you haven't done it already, hit that little bell in the upper corner. That will give you an alert every time one of our podcast posts. And we're posting PGA, NFL, and NBA pods now. And then when baseball starts, if baseball starts, with that late labor negotiations going on, uh, we'll, we'll have those in front of the paywall uh, as well. Um, also, if you're uh, listening on any of our uh, landing spots for our audio podcast, whether it be Spotify, which has a rating system now, our man uh, Tyler Pitzer reminded everybody of that yesterday in Discord. So if you're on Spotify, give us the, the top rating and a quick comment there. Uh, any of the anywhere between Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeart, I could go on and on. We're everywhere podcasts can be heard. If you just take a second and give us a positive top rating, five stars, whatever it is, and a quick comment, two, three words again, that combination gets you in a drawing that we have at the end of each month. Uh, our man Omaha Joe does a randomizer, pulls somebody out of that, and they win a full free week of Coach Talk All Access. So uh, please do that if you can. If you want to join us, we have great things going on right now. Go to dfscoachtalk.com. There's the memberships page. You have uh, several options there uh, to join. As little as three days for 10 bucks. And I always say it, Friday is the best day to do the, the $10 deal, deal because you get, with this weekend being NFL playoffs, you get all that Saturday and Sunday action. And then huge slates this weekend uh, for NBA, including not only the nine-game slate tonight, how about a 10-game slate tomorrow? So I'm loving it. I'm in my glory with these two big NBA slates. So come and join us. We have the best Discord, the best community uh, that's out there. I'm doing a lot of uh, jumping in live uh, about an hour before lock, going over some thoughts and doing a little strategy with our members. Also, once you become a member, including with your membership, uh, you get one-on-one -on -one strategy session uh, with me. I'll, you know, we'll set that up, put it on the calendar, and we'll plug it in, and we'll uh, go over whatever you need to know: bankroll management, contest selection, uh, those two being huge things in the industry that I think a lot of people miss the boat on. And then we can talk strategy from there. So we we are very hands-on with our members. We work very hard to build things, uh, hand build them so that we're not just playing optimal lineups from an optimizer. Uh, we're just going after it and uh, we're going to spend the time to get it done right. So we'd love to have you. All right. Here we go. Game number six. It is an eight o'clock game. Atlanta Hawks, Miami Heat. This should be a fun game. Miami four and a half, a nice solid 221 total. 108.25 for Atlanta, 112.75 uh, for the Miami Heat. Uh, 
Coming into this game, Atlanta is 17 and 23, and they are looking to blow it up. I think if you want to call it blow it up, uh, Miami's 26 and 15, by the way. Reason I say that with Atlanta, that reddish deal didn't make a whole lot of sense, except for the fact that it gives them a roster open spot. I think they're positioning to move Collins, Capella, uh, who knows who else, but uh, stay tuned there and watch, you know, you never know who's going to be in or out or get scratched between now and February 10th. You're going to see a lot of trade action going on. And I think Atlanta is going to be right in the middle of that. Um, injury wise, Kevin Herter questionable, uh, Joe Johnson doubtful and Clint Capella is out and he was squawking a little bit. I think he wants to be traded as well. Uh, big news for Miami. We have to have, before we even discuss one thing about the heat, Jimmy Butler is questionable. So that's massively important. It always affects that Miami team dramatically guys that are out for Miami. Adebayo, Garrett, Morris, Akpala, and Oladipo. So very similar uh, to what we've seen recently for the Heat. Uh, statistically, you've got two teams on the first night of a back-to-back. So that may be the case. Is Butler going to play this game or probably play tomorrow? One or the other. Uh, we, we really do need that information. We may not have it at lock. So it could be a late swap uh, scenario once again. So, and again, you've got uh, two guys, coaches here that aren't going to overplay their guys on back-to-back. So you got to watch that. Pace-wise, Atlanta's 16th. Miami's only 27th. Uh, uh, Defensively, though, Atlanta's been uh, horrific. For the guys that they have um, in in the interior, they're 28th in the league, uh, which is really bad. That coach has to watch his uh, steps too, because he's probably going to be on the hot seat here soon. Miami is sixth defensively, but a lot of that is with Butler and Bam in there. So maybe not quite as good. So you've got a decent 221 total. You've got some situations here that could be pretty impactful. Um, Trey Young at 10-4. Uh, you never know where, you know, if he's going to go off, he's a decent payup. Bogdanovich 5-3 starting to get more into the groove. It looks like Hunter's going to be back, but certainly not going to look at uh, to play him. I would assume there'll be some restrictions. Collins, 7K, may be showcasing his talent. And you're probably going to get Okongwu uh, at 4-8 and splitting minutes uh, at center with Gorgie Jang. Uh, so, you know, definitely Okongwu didn't get there last, last time. And I sort of think he'll split minutes again. Uh, at the big, so not really targeting him. Uh, as far as Miami, again, if Butler's in and he's full go at 9-8, you can consider him, no doubt. He's a slate breaker, and it doesn't seem to matter if he's been in or out. He just, when he plays, he plays full tilt. Um, Lowry at 7-9, possibly. Hero's been absolutely fantastic, and he's he's 7-8, which I think is super fair. I think he's an 8K-plus player. And again, even though he comes off the bench, people let that bother him, but they just want to win him sixth man of the year. He gets starters minutes uh, every night. And if Butler's out, Hero's somewhat of a plug and play for me. Uh, But if Butler plays, then you really have to give it uh, some consideration. Um, Yurt saving at 7-2. His price has just, you know, gone up and up, but 
he certainly is a decent play. He does have Dwayne Devin backing him up. Uh, so that takes away maybe the smash capabilities at a 7-2 number, but certainly somebody that you have to consider. All right, we move on. The 8-30 game, Cleveland Cavaliers, San Antonio Spurs. Cleveland favored by 3.5. It's a 220.5 total, 112 straight for Cleveland, 108.5 for the San Antonio Spurs. And guess what? It's pop. And it's a back-to-back. Good luck. We have the Cavs and Spurs both on the first night of a back-to-back. So, again, we have 12 of the 18 teams that we have to weigh that piece of it into the mix. So, certainly something, you know, buyer beware uh, right off the schneid with those with that uh, with pop on a back-to-back. Um, injuries, not that bad. Rondo's questionable, and that is important because we saw Garland go ballistic the last game and you know not that he can't go ballistic again here but with rondo uh rondo runs the team when he's in there so it gives garland a little bit of a break or off the ball so i you know i like garland more if rondo sits but we'll see if he's back okoro is out for cleveland for the spurs uh that you know we need to know uh specifically uh on on Derek white if he's gonna play uh, you know, that does shift things a little bit, uh, and it's tough with, with Pop. You never know his rotation. Uh, the other injuries, you've got Eubanks, probable, and then Collins and Trey Jones out. So, again, you know, it's it's tough call when it's back-to-backs. We know DeJounte Murray's been absolutely phenomenal, and he's 10-2, and he deserves to be 10-2. But here's, you know, this is there's a few stats here that are concerning. Cleveland slows it down. They're 20th. San Antonio is fourth. So it is a pace up, nice pace up game for Cleveland. But they flip the slate here. Cleveland's third in the league defensively, and the Spurs are 20th. So you've got a dichotomy here of, of uh, personalities of how they're they're running their their style of basketball. But you know. All that into consideration, Murray at 10-2 is, is certainly playable, but I just the defense team defense from Cleveland uh, and the pace makes it a little bit tough to go over that 10 number, even with Murray, who's been a walking triple-double lately. Um, if White's out, you know, we'll see. McDermott comes back, he'll play limited minutes. Then you're just going to get this nightmare of Pop's rotation. Between McDermott and Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell, who's been better lately, Kata Bates-Giop, Joshua Primo's been getting minutes. And now you've got Eubanks back to back up Pirtle. I mean, Cleveland's defense and the back-to-back scenario and the depth of what Pop's doing with this team. Uh, First of all, I'm surprised Cleveland's only a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but... I'm just really fearful of going any with anyone on the Spurs. Um, there are a few guys improving, but I don't know if this is the right scenario. For Cleveland, again, like I say, Garland at 7-8 is underpriced. That is a bad price. He has played way better than that and should be up there with some of the elite guards to me in the upper eights. So Garland is high on my radar. Even if Rondo does play, I still like Garland, but if Rondo doesn't play, then he's going to be 
100% own guy for me. I know DeJounte Murray leads the league in steals. He's a great defender, and he'll be guarding Garland. But again, like we said yesterday, you know, everybody was like, well, maybe Harden's not the place to go because he's going to get door defense. Listen, the guys that can score the ball and the coaches that understand the game, regardless of the good defender, they'll find a way to run them off something, high pick and roll, you know, coming off a baseline, double screen, whatever it takes, they're going to get them the ball. And Garland is their score. There's no question about it. On the interior, you can always look at the two bigs, too. They're both tough. It's just hard pinpointing the games that they crush it. You've got Mobley at 7-3 and Jared Allen at 7-7. I would love to have one of these two guys. I'm leaning a little bit towards Mobley, but uh, I think they're both well in play. Markinen, he gets hot. He's streaky, more of a GPP play, to be honest with you, because of his streaky shooting. But when he starts knocking down shots like he did the last game at 5-5, that's a real steal for Markinen. So I like the Cavs side a lot better. Um, but, you know, I, I would like to have some exposure here, but I refuse to get popped on Friday. I'm, you know, not going to go that direction. All right, two games left, and it is the late night sweat double games here. Houston, Sacramento at 10, Dallas and Memphis at 10. And we may do, for the members that are listening, we may do that little two game after our slate since we have an hour and a half between. Uh, we're going to be posting our PGA uh, right around that same time because they're in Hawaii. They play late. And we're doing weekend-only PGA lineups uh, later tonight as well. So members, keep an eye out if you want to have both main slate and after hours. For the listeners that aren't members, come join us at EFSCoachTalk.com. All right, the Rockets and Kings. Big number. We have a winner here on the number this game's going to get massive, massive attention in the industry, and deservedly so. I mean, you've got two fast teams, two terrible defensive teams, and uh, just there should be a lot of points. The game could stay close, should stay fairly close. So it's got to be, you know, number one on everybody's list. Uh, and there's lots of different ways you can go in these two, in this, uh, with these two teams. First of all, just to add to everything else, it happens to be the only uh, game of two games out of all nine of them where both teams are on an island game. So, man, I mean, this this is like circle it, highlight it. And if you don't have two, three, four guys from this game, you're probably in trouble. And I normally don't say that, but I just think this game just sits perfectly in the bucket of must haves, you know. So let's talk about it a little bit here. Sacramento minus five, 238, bingo. And then we've got 116 and a half um, implied for Houston, 121 and a half for the Kings. Definitely Yahtzee here, right here. Uh, Houston, 12 and 31, Sacramento, 17 and 27. We've got a uh, questionable tag on Zhengun, which we knew I would love to have that news because that directly affects Christian Wood. So love to have that news. We know John Wall is out. For Sacramento, Marvin Bagley, questionable. Rashawn Holmes, questionable. So that's massive. I mean, what's the big man rotation going to be there? We know Damian Jones is already out. So if Bagley and Holmes both sit, 
I'm not going to play him, but it looks like Alex Lynn would be sort of the winner of, of that lottery. But I, you know, if at Bagley or Holmes in, then, then they can be considered if they're playing without restrictions, but I'm not looking at the bigs for Sacramento anyway. So, uh, and I think I said Jones and Woodward, Wood, uh, Woodard is also out for the Sacramento Kings. Statistically, it's a, it's a beauty. Houston first in pace, Sacramento fifth. Defensively, Houston's the worst, 30th. Sacramento not too far behind him, 26th. So here we go. Where do we look at here? Kevin Porter, 6K in play. Jalen Green, 4.8 in play. Eric Gordon drives me absolutely nuts. He is so hard to figure out. He had a smash game the last game. Sometimes you play him and he throws up 12 fantasy points. So Gordon, to me, just a GPP. Uh, Tate at 5'3", you can think about. Wood at 7'4", is cheap. He's a great play for me. But if Zhen Goon's back and he's going to take a chunk of those minutes, it's a little, you know, got to give it a little bit of a thought. Wood's a much easier play if Shangun sits, but uh, still in play either way. Uh, the three sub from Sacramento that I'm most interested in are Fox at 7-6, Halliburton at 7-4, and Harrison Barnes at a cheap 5-5. I think just, you know, in the flow of this game, they're going to be great fits. You can also consider off the bench, healed at 5-6, and even Davion Mitchell at 3-5 a little bit. Now, I wouldn't, you know, stack guards all from the same team, but I could see going a Halliburton Barnes or a Fox Barnes or, you know, in a GPP, maybe a Hield and Halliburton, something of that nature. So having some exposure there is going to be really key. And then, you know, once the news does come down, uh, we'll, we'll make decisions if we want to put one of the bigs in there. The, the guys in contention right now are Bagley at 4-8, Holmes at 5-5, five, five, but they're both questionable. And then Metu at 4-3, he could be one of the winners if those guys sit. Alex Len, who I'm not going to play. I just have a, a vendetta against Mr. Len. He's only 3-8, though, and I get it. Uh, Tristan Thompson, 3-4, but you don't have to go that deep. It's too great of a slate. So lots of opportunity there and sort of must have uh, exposure to that game. All right, last game on the slate, it's the Dallas Mavericks versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis is favored by three, and it's only a 215 total. The good news for the Mavericks is the Grizz played a super competitive down-to-the-wire game last night. So they come in maybe a little tired. Uh, which gives uh, the Mavs a, a good shot here. Um, but it's, you know, only a 215 total, which is a bit of a worry. The reason for that is, uh, well, let's do the game set first. Memphis is favored by three. Uh, it's 215 total, 106 implied for Dallas, 109 for the Memphis Grizzlies. So, you know, when you're talking about 23 points lower than the last game, uh, that gets your attention. So I'm not sure in this late slate how much, uh, you know, you, you plop a guy or two out of this game for sure, but you got to be very careful uh, not to overplay it because you're going to have some good defense. You may have a little bit of tired legs for Memphis, and it's also the first night of a back-to-back -back for Dallas. So a lot of considerations here and, you know, and certainly a little bit of concern uh, about uh, – 
you know, minutes. Dallas is 22 and 19. Memphis is 30 and 14. Out for the Dallas Mavericks is Cauley Stein and Porzingis. Questionable for Memphis is Steven Adams and Pons. Uh, would definitely like the news on Adams. That means a lot. And then we know Brooks and Tilly are out. Um, Dallas is 28th in pace, so they're going to slow down the pace of play. Memphis 12th, but again, you know, with probably subbing a little more with uh, this being a back-to-back, maybe they play a little slower, a little less possessions. Then you have two top 10 defenses. It's the only matchup on the whole board where you have both teams in the top 10 on D. Dallas is all the way to eighth. Memphis is ninth as well. So they both greatly improved on the defensive end. So how do you break this game down? Uh, Definitely some potential here. We know that uh, Dallas has trouble playing the bigs. Um, The the nice thing for me would be if Adams is out again, like he was yesterday, we went to Jaron Jackson and he was, he was fine. I think, you know, this could be a really solid game for Triple J if he starts at center. The thing is, when he goes to power forward and Adams starts at center, it's it's really a pretty big drop-off for him. So uh, that news is important, and we may not have that early. But uh, Jackson at 7-2, uh, depending on that news, could be a terrific play. I don't know if Adams is going to play with a minutes restriction. He has missed a couple games, so uh, that news also needs to be had because Adams at 5-3, if he does play enough minutes, could have like a 14, 15 rebound game. So not really excited to go there, but at least it's up for discussion. Uh, Desmond Bain at 6'8", and Ja Moran at 9'2". Those are the two guys that get the most attention for me. This may be a a pay-up game for me for Ja. I just want to make sure that we're not going to get reduced minutes because I know Tyler Jenkins – doesn't like to overextend his guys. He's not afraid to sit people. He's not afraid to cut into their minutes. So if that's going to be the case, DeAnthony Melton at four or five becomes a really nice play. And if Adam sits, that brings Brandon Clark into play at 5K as well. Uh, the other guy, if for some reason news breaks throughout the day that Jaw's going to sit, which I, I'm not expecting, but it could happen, then that brings Tyus Jones in play as a good value at 4-4. For Dallas, I guess it's all about Luka here. He's 10-9. Does he have one of those ceiling games that we know Luka can have? He can back into a triple-double. He hasn't been uh, fantastic or blowing up slates like he used to, but he is feeling better, playing better. I think he can at least be considered as one of the payups here. Um, Jalen Brunson at 7-5, a little pricey when Luka does play, but he can still get to his number. Uh, the guy I'm in a little more concerned about is Dorian Finney-Smith. There's been a lot of rumors that he's going to get moved uh, from the Mavericks, um, and he's 4-6. So I don't know if that is on his mind and is going to affect his game. He seems like sort of a, you know, a guy when it gets in his head, I think it could bother him a little bit. So I'm going to steer clear of him, even though he's a good value number. Maxi Kleba, 4'8". Again, he's a guy that is fairly safe. I mean, he's going to get good minutes and he's going to produce, but certainly a limited ceiling. And then not really interested in the bench. Uh, Powell, Hardaway, Bullock, 
green, brown, Chris. I mean, those guys uh, just aren't going to make it on a, a slate like this. They could barely make it on like a three-game slate. So either you you really uh, pay up for Luca, get some value with Maxi, or if you're doing the full mid-level uh, build, maybe Brunson. And if you know if you have the courage on the other side for John Morant, and then looking at the bigs in either Jackson, Adams, or Clark. That is it, my friends. All nine games, a fairly thorough breakout. Um, we would love to have you join us, dfscoachtalk.com. I hope you really enjoyed this. If you haven't caught our NBA podcast uh, every day, then hit the little alert button so you can catch this. We're seven days a week. We're doing every slate. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a blast. Saturday, my favorite podcast of the week. It's Crash and I breaking down a 10-game. That's our biggest Saturday slate we've had of the season. And we'll also be building a two brains or better than one uh, GPP lineup on that podcast tomorrow morning. So it is going to be an awesome weekend. Tons of NBA action, NFL playoffs, PGA in Hawaii, which is so much fun to watch in the evening. I mean, we're in our glory. This is our hot time for DFS here at Coach Talk. So thank you so much for listening in today. I hope this really helps you take some stuff down. You know, throw some winners. Let us know either on Twitter. We're at DFS Coach Talk. I'm, if you want to tweet me directly, I'm at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. And tweet us your winners. Let us know how you're doing. If the podcast helped you, uh, we'd love to show some love to those out there smashing slate. So thanks again. Have a phenomenal weekend. And we'll catch you again tomorrow when we look to crush it in DFS.